Hello and welcome to Mike's Open Journal episode 54 and a big welcome to all of you listening in. Thank you again for tuning in to Mike's Open Journal and listening to me have a little bit of a chat but mainly obviously for this episode for my lovely guest um, Sam. Um, it was awesome to talk to Sam and find out a little bit more about her story and her journey through uh, those struggles that we can have around mental health. Um, it was also really interesting for me because I saw a lot of similarities with uh, Sam's story and my own. Um, so I kind of was really interested to hear her talk about some of her experiences. Um, hopefully you really enjoy this episode. And as always, if you're interested in coming on in the future, um, just get in contact, ideally through um, the website or through Twitter, um, just because that's where I'm spending most of my time. Uh, there is a small, very small Facebook page as well if you want to go and have a look there. Um, but you can find the podcast on Twitter at open underscore journal underscore or me uh, at Mike underscore Douglas underscore. And the website, as always, is mikesopenjournal.com. I'm going to drop you straight into the conversation. Um, I hope you enjoy it, and uh, as always, please remember, you're not alone out there. Through, I saw um, on one of your blog posts that I found really interesting was you spoke about going to Australia. Now, I didn't read enough of it to know <laughs> why you were there, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that looks really interesting because I've I've been to Australia, but I didn't go. Um, to the same place that you've been to so it'd be really interesting to hear you kind of talk a little bit about that I like yeah, I say it will I be off topic <laughs> yeah 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 that's cool yeah no I really loved Australia I mean at the time uh it's a bit of a long story but I was just starting to discover that I was going through the sort of infertility journey kind of thing and uh, so at the time my husband and I ex-husband to be <laughs> and I um, decided to go travelling for six months so that Australia was one of the countries that we went to because oh. it was kind of becoming obvious that I was going to need to have loads of like treatment and kind of medical interventions and stuff if I was going to attempt to um, get pregnant so we decided like before we launched into all of that mm. nightmare that we'd go um, travelling for six months so basically we just um, oh, it was quite a while ago now it's like 2008 but we uh, put um, our house on interest only on the mortgage let my sister move into my place and then um, yeah took out a loan and I just literally booked two round the world tickets um, uh, for the six months kind of period and we yeah. went sort of September and came back in March um, and that was one of the countries that we went to and it was absolutely amazing like the best trip ever oh. as you can imagine it took us about five years to pay it off but yeah. it, was, it was worth it <laughs> oh I can imagine oh it just sounds so cool uh, like I know in part yeah. of your post you talk about just looking up at the sky and the thing that I noticed when I was there was just like the hard, you can see the stars you can see the sky and you don't yeah. appreciate how much you can't see here until you go yeah. somewhere like that where there is no light yeah pollution. exactly that and I mean I think that post I was talking about um like the size of the universe and like just how sort of uh, insignificant you feel like when you look up at the sky but mm. it's true because there we were in um the outback so we literally went to do a trek to um to see Ayers Rock mm. so it's literally like right in the center of Australia the red center um and you just it's for miles around all you can see is just like this red 
desert kind of going for miles and um, and yeah obviously there's no street lights there's no nothing there to sort of take away from the stars so yeah we were all just kind of laying and laying in our little sleeping bags literally sleeping bags on the red earth uh-huh. no tents or anything like just, uh, when we signed up we didn't realize that was exactly how it was going to be i probably wouldn't have agreed to it if i didn't realize because <laughs> there was obviously like you know you got all the creepy crawlies and in um right in the center of australia there's so many flies mm. like you know when you see um australians and they've got these well that's you know stereotypical australians with the uh, cork hats yeah so you know you've got the hat and you've got the little corks dangling off it <laughs> they um <laughs> that was to stop the flies literally so many flies it's unbelievable so um i mean people have literally tried to climb up airs rock and they're sort of chains i mean it's really tall and it's literally like a 90 degree you know sort of incline Whoa. pretty much and there's chains coming off that you can hold on to that you can't use to actually climb up uh, airs rock and people have actually fallen off where they've kind of let go to swap the flies Whoa. and um and died so they're not you're not really supposed to climb it but um yeah, so we was kind of in the middle of the, the outback of all these flies and bugs and obviously the spiders and everything else. And you could hear all the dingoes howling and stuff. I was like, what have we let ourselves in for? But, um, but yeah, the point of that post really was the fact that you look up at the sky and you kind of realise how absolutely tiny and, and insignificant you are in the great scheme of things. Mm. Which is kind of good and bad, I think, because it's kind of like, you know, you sort of, you realise that some of the things that you're worrying about and kind of stressing about in the great scheme of things, like, do they really matter? You just kind of realise how small and tiny you are and yeah. um, and do some of the things, you know, sometimes it helps, actually, to think about the things you're stressing about, something really silly, like a deadline or, you know, something that's, that's not major, really. You sort of so, look at the... Look at the it gives you that re, yeah. It gives you that refocus, doesn't that it? Yeah. It definitely helps. I think sometimes it's just that... Yeah. It's getting out of your comfort zone. It's doing something different. And especially something like that where it's it's an experience. It's something very visual. You really do get a chance to yeah. kind of rethink, like you say, what's important, how much certain things matter to you. And it frees you up. Like you're not generally, especially if you're doing something like that, you're not probably working at the time you don't have other commitments like you say you've traveled for us you've traveled away to somewhere quite far away um yeah. and you're out in the middle of nowhere and it is a real chance it's i mean yes you can go to the beach and you can have a moment but oh, i don't know i think it's harder to do that especially in this country yeah. where we are so built up you struggle to kind of get away as much yeah i mean for me i've really found that traveling any sort of travel that I've done has just been an absolute lifesaver. You know, like in my hardest moments, mm. my answer has always been to, to go somewhere. And I mean, you know, I don't know if everyone could do like, you know, you're sort of fortunate enough that you've saved some money or, you know, you can get a loan if you need to or whatever. I know not everyone can do that. Yeah. But I always feel like if you can just take yourself out of the situation for however long. And the thing is, some people said to me, you know, you're running away. And I was like, so what? <laughs> if this makes me feel better for a while, yeah so we hit a little bit of an issue here um but we get around it pretty quickly by doing the simple thing of just losing the connection and starting again um so we're gonna drop you straight back into the conversation uh with sam i I think because my boyfriend was upstairs on the netflix and i think maybe that makes a difference i've just told him to turn it off (laughs) oh no i'm stopping him from watching tv (laughs) trying to watch his bloodlines thing i was like just watch the telly don't watch the net we watch netflix right at this moment (laughs) that's so funny i had i've got um 
my mum's just split up with her husband and she's moved back in with me for a couple of months. And the other day I was like, oh, oh, I'm really struggling with the network. And I was like, are you on the internet? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm just watching some videos. I'm like, well, can you watch them later? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you would think in this day and age that you could have more than one thing going oh, at the same time I and know. it wouldn't make any difference. But I, I think it definitely does, yeah. It's not those adverts when they're like, you get so many, like bandwidth and all this business I'm like well can I still watch a video and Skype at the same time no yeah that's the oh, thing isn't it it's, it's yeah. ridiculous um so <laughs> having said that I mean I am so old that I actually do remember dial up where literally you do it going oh, it's like dial-up. banging and crashing noises yeah. <laughs> a real <laughs> sense of achievement that. <laughs> that was... so then we really did have a problem so obviously it's not like that but no. it's still Pretty annoying, like yeah. But I did love the noise. Yeah. I did love the noise. Yeah, it's like real banging and crashing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> when you had to attach a modem to a computer. Yeah, do you remember? Yeah. It's really funny, actually. You just made me, I just thought of something because my um, my mum and dad, I remember they got a new computer, uh, and about twenty odd years ago, I was on a TV program called IB for Uncovered. I used to live in IB for, and it was like a sort of reality show. Okay. And mum and dad got a new computer, and they, they <laughs> we went around them, and they said what should we look up? The first, You can be the one to choose the first thing that we look up on this new PC or whatever. And I said, let's look up IB for Uncovered. <laughs> so my dad put it in and uh, it came up with like some real like hardcore porn. But because it was like really, it was so bad. Because it was like really, it was on like dial-up. It was just like downloading like part of the screen bit by bit, you know. <laughs> and he's like jabbing away at the escape button, you know. <laughs> and all of us are sort of crowding around this computer waiting for something to happen. And, oh, like, brilliant. I, I should have known really you know you put in something like i've been fun covered anything could come up didn't it couldn't it so obviously oh, i was thinking it's going to be like you know me and my friend on this show yeah and no it was this like porn scene with my dad desperately trying to turn it on god <laughs> anyway oh so good Absolute just cringe. imagining that that'd be hilarious oh it's just so cringe it was just the way it was coming down the screen like bit by bit and you could see you know oh my yeah. god what is this gonna be <laughs> like back back escape escape <laughs> Absolutely terrible. So you think it has changed a lot? Because I mean, that was about twenty years ago now, and obviously, yeah, like now. <laughs> it is. It's amazing how quickly. I think when you look back, it's amazing how quickly stuff has developed. Yeah. Um, and it's, it is. I mean, when you think, you know, when I tell people, you know, when I was growing up, we had no, you know, we had no mobile phones, yeah. we had no nothing. Like they were like, what? You know, so it seems it seems crazy now for the kids, the kids these days. But know. you know, for the young ones now, they can't even imagine a time when there was no mobiles can they it's kind of 20 years ago really 25 years ago it's one of those things you just get used to whatever you've got like you say when you're at school like when you're at school you walked places if you were going on your own and that was normal and then when you got a bike like you cycled places and then when you got a car you drove places but you never missed a car before you had a car you didn't miss a bike before you had a bike or whatever so yeah it's hard because you think yeah you can understand like not having a phone but it didn't matter because you didn't have a phone at a time when no one had a phone. Exactly. We didn't know any different. Did yeah. It's like, well, you'll go out and you'll come back when you come back. And <laughs> yeah. if anyone wants to get hold you know, of you, they'll you have can't. to find you. <laughs> but I mean, now, you know, when you've got your iPhone and stuff and the, and the battery is so rubbish, isn't it? literally by lunchtime, like yeah. it's, it's dying. Yeah. And it's just the panic that you get when you can see the, see the percentage going down and down. Where it's oh, like, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. I think I did have a stage where I was, uh, especially because like I can charge mine at work, like you get to a stage where yeah. it's almost kind of always plugged in and you're like, oh, yeah. just 
come on. I know, isn't it? I mean, even on the train sometimes, you know, I, I look around on the train and there's, there's plugs. And I don't think you're probably technically not really allowed to use them. It's supposed to be for the cleaners. But, you know, sometimes I do um, yeah. catch myself whipping the, whipping the charger out and charging my phone up on the train <laughs> on the way to work. <laughs> I've, st- I've started using one of those... Um, like the mobile battery recharge. Little power pack yeah. things, yeah. I've um, got some of those. Yeah, I've I mean, got... literally, when we go out sometimes, we're going to have a really big night, we're going to be out for quite a long time. I get my boyfriend, he's got about three or four of them in his pockets. <laughs> like, it's like a massive, like, ton of technology, just in case, you know. <laughs> three like, or four is a bit excessive. Like... <laughs> like, yeah, I'll take one. I, mean, I haven't told you how long the night is yet. Sometimes uh... we go on big benders, it might last the whole weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if it's whole weekend. I might be old, but I still know how to party. Hey. <laughs> you should be finding yeah. plug sockets if you're going away for a weekend <laughs> yeah i suppose so yeah i mean i'm not exactly away i'm just out clubbing on a, uh, on a big one <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, to be honest i've had weekends away that probably last a bit less time than some of our clubbing nights so, yeah. <laughs> it's a different story oh dear um, so, i think we we just moved, we just moved past australia and then we started to break up so um I know you, you've been, you've had your website or you've been blogging for, is it just over a year now? Well, I've been actually had blogs for about nearly 10 years, actually. Oh, but wow, it was okay. when I, yeah, when I first um, went on that trip, so with, uh, with my ex and we went on this round the world trip, because obviously we'd spent a fortune on it <laughs> and uh, family and friends sort of wanted to make sure we were still alive. That's when I decided to start writing a blog then. Mm. So that was sort of 2008 and I did, first did one. My surname's Walsh, so we did uh, World, Worldwide Walsh, it was called. <laughs> so I did that one um, for about for that whole six months and literally I was religiously, you know, doing it. I Because in those days you had to hunt for a... Uh, internet cafe you know so I was yeah. like constantly like every other day going to internet cafe really religiously doing it and I loved doing it and I was getting lots of good feedback and people were reading it so it's really good and then I didn't really do anything for a while I did one then about um uh called mummy mission about a little bit about infertility but at the time I was too much in the actual journey and the agony of it to actually carry on writing it so I, so I didn't really carry that one on for long and then I didn't do anything for about five years and then when I went uh on the trip on my own to Thailand a couple of years ago I thought yeah I'll start doing this again so I was only ever doing kind of travel ones when mm. I was away because I didn't think that my life day-to-day life was interesting enough to be honest I thought you know when I'm traveling obviously so much happens when you're away that uh, I thought it was a bit more interesting a bit more exciting yeah and then um so I did the one in Thailand and then last year um me and my boyfriend and my mum actually we went to Costa Rica um to do some uh, voluntary work that I'd organized in an orphanage with some children so I thought because we got sponsorship from our friends and people on Facebook and Twitter and stuff that I'd um uh, write a blog about that and it was really well received so then I thought maybe I can write one about day-to-day you know life and I was just about to turn 40 so I thought well, I actually have got stuff to say mm. so that's been that's been like sort of last year March was when I actually started my new one which is life at bird's eye view and this is the one this is the only one that I've maintained for this long period of time really before it was kind of like travel ones here and there or you know a few weeks or the longest one was the worldwide wars which was six months but this one is the one that's like my baby so having not been able to have a baby this has actually become my baby Aww. and uh, and i love it yeah i absolutely love it so um it's been my my savior in some ways so i, I really um yeah i really enjoy it so this one i've had for just coming up for a year now yeah i think it can be very um 
therapeutic as well, can't it? To kind of sit there and write about um, sometimes it's the things you do, but it's also the stuff that you're going through. Um, yeah. And it can be really hard to talk about it, and it can be really hard to talk about some of the emotions and the situations that we are involved in. And sometimes, yeah. even though you maybe you know or you don't know whether you're going to share whatever you're writing but yeah just to kind of get it out in that way sometimes really helps people and they find it yeah I don't know about you, but yeah, for me definitely. it's so much easier than actually talking to people <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah completely I mean when I was actually like going through I would say like the the most difficult sort of time of the uh, sort of infertility thing I just couldn't bring myself to to ride it then I just found it too painful kind of at the time and I was talking to a few people about it, but it wasn't something I was really going to sort of like put out there. So I started it, and I probably wrote about six or seven posts, and then I just kind of stopped it. Um, but I think for me, like now being past the, the the worst of the situation kind of thing, it's much easier for me to write about it now. Because although I've, I can still sort of connect with the emotions of it, the sort mm. of the the worst of it all has, has passed, if you like. So I can. I can look at it more objectively, you know, I'm not quite so hit up in the in the emotions and stuff. And uh, so I've found it easier to write after the event, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes you can be, I guess you're in a situation where you can be more reflective and you feel more, I guess, like stable and happier in yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, completely. Feel... I mean, like for a couple of years, I mean, I was literally so woe is me and so, I just was so depressed and so unhappy and just I just couldn't see anything good or happy to write I it probably wouldn't have been something that many people would have really wanted to have read or I didn't think it would have been I mean possibly hmm. other people going through the same sort of situation now maybe it would have been it would have been uh, you know a help for them but at the time I you know I was just so so down and I just thought oh, no one's actually even going to want to want to read this Mm. yeah i think you have to do what's what's best for you and i think like like you were saying is that naturally up until more recently you're obviously writing mainly about travel which i think is something a lot of people do i know the first i had a couple of like small blogs i did that were like about holidays traveling or like work trips where i go to a different city or something it's like oh you've got stuff to look around and stuff to talk about because you're going and seeing a new place um and you start off like that but then that's a very big jump i think to then start talking about your in brackets real life yeah um, yeah exactly so i mean like you know travel it's not exactly really any emotional real con- you know connection as such you're sort of talking about what you're seeing and what mm. you're doing um and if anything it's like something for people to aspire to you know they look at travel things oh i'd love to go to thailand or wherever you're writing yeah. about and it's something to be proud of Whereas the um, the more sort of emotional posts, you know, you, you kind of, you're really putting it out there. Mm. But I have to say, I mean, the response to all of them was good. But the ones that are the more kind of emotional posts, like the response is just uh, amazing. Like people can be so nice, <laughs> you know, yeah. you sort of really do see the good side of, you know, a nice side of humanity. You know, when you do put yourself out there and people can sort of identify with it or, you know, the amount of like private messages I've had and people sharing their stories and they really feel like they can sort of um, relate to you or, you know, that you understand them in some some way. And, um, yeah, it's quite nice. It's quite touching that people do feel that they can, you know, reach out to you and share their stories and things as well. For example, I did do one uh, a while ago. I think it was like sort of October time last year. It was actually when all this... Um, uh, stuff was in the press about the uh, football football association oh, yeah. and about yeah. the you know the sexual abuse and that kind of stuff. Um, 
and I think Eric Bristow, I don't know if you know who he is, the, is he the, the darts, darts player. person. Yeah, yeah. I, I, literally like an aging, you know, just completely out of touch, real man's man type guy. I just said some really insensitive things on Twitter, like to the to the sort of um, basically kind of saying like man up or why didn't you do anything about it at the time? And it mm. absolutely enraged me because I just thought you've got no concept. It's so damaging the things that you're saying. And the people that if anyone has been abused and they listen to the things he's saying, it's just so bad. So that kind of inspired me to write something about, um, uh, you know, some sexual abuse that I've had in the past, the mm. child and stuff. And and that was like, a, you know, one of the most difficult things that I've ever written. But then I did get some, you know, from, some feedback and some messages from people that, but some people that I, you know, that I know and, and know quite well and had no idea they'd had sort of similar experiences. So it does really help you to not feel so alone, I guess, you know, like people do really reach out to you and it's been really sort of good that way Mm. um i think because you're talking about something especially when you were talking about um the infertility as well is it something that people will have um thoughts on whether they've been affected by it or not but those people that have been affected are so emotionally invested in that that yeah hearing about someone else's experience opens them up to maybe talking to you maybe talking to someone else and just yeah. seeing somebody else talk about it and i know i've had a few friends some that i've known for short periods of time others for a long time that have come forward and talked about like their struggles with anxiety or depression after like they'd read something that i'd written and i think yeah sometimes you don't think that when you're writing it but you're the person that i guess is kind of you're setting up the table and you're setting up the chairs yeah. and sitting down and saying, I'm here to chat, like, if you want to come and chat. And yeah. you're giving the, you're kind of providing the space for them to come forward then, which makes a real difference. Yeah, exactly. I just feel that's just so important to be open about things. Like, I mean, when I was doing some research about uh, that particular post about sexual abuse show, and they were saying that, uh, basically it was saying that, that uh, young men, the biggest cause of death is, is suicide. Mm. Because people just don't necessarily talk about things, especially young guys. Yeah. And it was, kind of, you know, I just really think it is important to just talk about things that, you know, get any, there's no topic is kind of off limits so that people do feel they can talk about things. Because it's just the, it's the isolation and the, and the loneliness, I think. It's just, that's what really kind of, you know, gets to you. I mean, particularly with the infertility sort of side of things. Although it does, I reckon it affects kind of one in seven uh, couples so it's quite mm. common but even even now you don't really hear people talking about it you know that much and, and when I was going for it sort of about seven eight years ago um people just didn't really talk about it you know it was people IVF wasn't as common like it's becoming more common but it, you just kind of felt really isolated I guess like it's really sort of lonely and especially as a sort of 30 year old woman everybody is getting pregnant around you you know mm. so like oh, every literally it feels like every few weeks there'll be like a family member or a friend or someone at work is pregnant and you've got this whole thing where you feel like you can't talk about it and and people sort of saying it really sort of insensitive things like you know it's about you better hurry up and you <laughs> think about this and you think oh, if only you knew you know yeah. what, I'm, what I'm going through so yeah it can be like a really kind of isolating really lonely kind of experience really so I think anything that you can do to sort of open up and help somebody else that's going through it 
And also, you know, because I did go through so many years of, of the treatment and the IVF and that kind of stuff, I actually know a lot more <laughs> about pregnancy than most of my friends that have got kids. <laughs> it's, it's quite sad, really, because you, know, you spend so many hours researching everything online, joining different chat rooms and different groups and that sort of stuff. That I've got friends that are, that are pregnant that ask me questions about it, you know, because you end up knowing so much more about it than even those people. And so, although in the end I didn't actually end up with the baby I kind of like to feel like if I could help someone else who is going through the um, infertility or IVF if I could help like give them some advice mm. I've got a few people that are messaging me you know at the moment um, asking me tips or about the process and different treatments because there's so much jargon with it all as well so you have things like um, what do they say like so TTC stands for trying to conceive BD is baby dancing, which is like having sex. Okay. It's like, it's crazy. So there's all this jargon associated with infertility that when you just go on these chat rooms and stuff, or like on these different sites, like um, you don't understand, you don't even know what any of this stuff means. You know, you don't even know what any of it stands for. It's like a foreign language. So I just think I know so much about all that after all the years of going through it. And obviously at the end of it, I never did end up with a baby. So I think, well, if I could at least help somebody else who's going through mm. it to understand the jargon and, you know, how it all works, then at least it's not a complete waste. You know, at least there's something at the end of it. Because I think that's one of the hardest things with it is kind of going through all those years of investigations and treatment and then it doesn't work. Mm. It's kind of like, what do you do now? And for me, that was the hardest part of it was sort of deciding that that's the end of it and we just stopped doing it. And then it's kind of, what do you do, what, what do, you do now then? Because all of my spare time was taken up with investigating it, you know, trying to find out what to do. And believe me, it's a big business, you know, like there's all these things of like what you should eat, what you should do, vitamins you should take, all this stuff that it literally consumes your whole life. And then as soon as you decide, right, okay, end of, we had three cycles uh, on the NHS, which didn't work. And once you decide, you know, that's, that's the end of it. And they did say to me, like, I mean, there's absolutely like zero chance of it working because of uh, some previous surgery that I'd had. And I had uh, cervical cancer sort of operation when I was sort of 25. So my insides were a mess, to be honest. So it just wasn't going to work. We had to just make a decision to give up. And that giving up was what really, I think, plunged me into... The, the pit of despair mm. and really sort of plunged me into the, the full-on sort of depression because it's kind of like that's that's final then you know that's you have to accept that that is your life so um I think one of the hardest things for me was kind of I'd never considered myself to be depressed or have any form of like you know kind of mental illness until that point and then I was sort of like you know in my 30s and it's just the circumstances were just so sad and so difficult that that's sort of what plunged me into the whole kind of just de despair really you know so I had a few really really difficult years and I think um that's one of the things that I do you know have written about on the blog is that you know don't mm. think that you're above it or it won't happen to you or there's no way you know because I think sometimes people think oh it's a sign of weakness or you know like <laughs> pull yourself together that sort of yeah. attitude and actually you know, sometimes you, no one knows, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to you. You could lose someone or, you know, the situation could arise through no fault of your own. Or even if it is your fault, you know, whatever, something could happen. And, you know, don't think that, you know, it, it, you know, it, could, it wouldn't happen to you. So I do always sort of want to get the message across that, uh, I don't know, really, just to be open about it and to be sensitive to, to what people are going through. And it isn't a case of you'll get over it. 
you know, pull yourself together. Basically. Yeah, yeah, I think, like you say, you, you you never know what's going on behind closed doors. You never know what someone's thinking or feeling or the way they're interpreting things. And I think, yeah. particularly, obviously, the, for kind of for your journey, there's obviously a number of traumatic things that happen there. And I think that would kind of give an indication as to. Um, obviously the outcome of being or being affected by depression and um, some of the things that go on around that. I think not it's inevitable, but it's kind of a, when you, when you've gone through that and you're at the other end, you can look back and say there's kind of a, a cause and an effect, I guess, to some extent. Yeah. And at yeah. least you can sort of ration it out in your head. Yeah. Um, I mean, since I've actually like, you know, since I've, come out the other side if, yeah. if you like you know I've read so many things about you know so many women and couples you know that when it, they do go through something like IVF and it, it doesn't work mm. they you know it's, it's really common to be depressed and for marriages to break up and, and all the rest of it because you're just going through such a sort of traumatic thing together that yeah and you're a sad so event much. just goes on for yeah. so long that's the thing it's not just like a you know something bad's happened oh well i've had a bad day mm. this is like life-changing you know it's something that's going to go on forever yeah. and i think the only the the, the the good thing that i've learned i do try and sort of share with people that are, that are really sort of depressed or going through something really difficult is that Although, you know, it's such a cliche to say that, that time heals, but in some ways it does. But I think the most important thing is that I've learned is that even if the the situation can't change, so, for example, like, you know, I'm always going to be infertile, I'm never going to have children, your your mindset, like, your kind of attitude towards it can. Yeah. And that's the that's just the thing that's been, like, my sort of saviour, if you like, is that I just thought I'm never going to feel, feel better. Like, I mean, I literally had times where I thought... I just felt suicidal because I just thought this is, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, you'll, it'll get better, it'll get better with time. And I, and I said, no, it won't because you'll all, this is all my, my good friends, you'll all carry on having children yeah. and then grandchildren and I will always have nothing, you know, and I, mm. that's all I could see. I could just see that, you know, I'm never going to have a family. You will will and you'll have grandchildren. It's never going to get better. And for years, you know, I felt like that. And then eventually I'd sort of turned the corner where I sort of looked at it and thought, the situation's not going to change, but gradually your sort of attitude towards it can until eventually you sort of don't feel so angry, I suppose, and bitter, <laughs> and you start to sort of accept the situation. And then and then now I kind of try and sort of use not having kids to my advantage to the point of view of, like, you know, I can go on nice holidays, you yeah. know, I can, like, I can stay out all night if I want, <laughs> whereas my friends are at home, you know, like, up at the crack of dawn with kids and I might just be coming home from a club. You know, I, I can do that. I can do those things. So, like, you know, if you could sort of try eventually to sort of, like, see mm. some positives from it, that's what sort of helped me to sort of turn it around, I guess, eventually. I mean, I'm not saying... I, you know, everything's amazing because I still have times where I feel really down about it or, you know, I meet up with all my friends and all their kids are there and then you sort of feel like you go home to like a, an empty house and they say, oh, I'd love to have a nice quiet house like yours, but you always sort of want the opposite to what you've got, I suppose. Like when you come home to a house and it's always silent, yeah. you know, you wouldn't mind a bit of noise sometimes. So, you know, I think it's very the true. grass is always greener. Yeah, I think it's very true what you said about it's that, um, like that logical side of... Um, being able to work out like these are the things that I can change and these are the things that I can't. Um, yeah. And it's we can all I guess we can all kind of say that with our our common sense heads on, but a lot of the yeah. time is that when we're in that moment and we're being affected by any mental health issue, 
um, you can't get to that stage. And so I think it says a lot yeah. that, I mean, yes, time can help, but some people will sit there in that moment for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and the fact that you've yeah. kind of been able to move past that and understand kind of, I guess, to appreciate and recognise the effect that it has on you, but also yeah. recognise it it doesn't or it can't stop me doing and it won't stop me doing this. And yeah. um, I think that's a really positive place to be. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, there is nothing worse though when you are feeling really down than someone saying, it will get better. You know, I yeah. know. So if anybody, anybody sort of listens to this and thinks, oh, she sounds like she's smug or, you know, she thinks she knows it when she doesn't know what I'm going through. Like, I totally can get mm. that because I really hated it when some people would say, you know, you're not dying. Some people have got cancer. You know, people would actually say things like, you know, like, get it in perspective kind of thing whereas to you that is your whole yeah, life like yeah. you can't you know there, it is everything it's everything to you you know so there is it can be really annoying when people do try and sort of say oh things will get better so I do understand that it's just sort of being there for someone to listen to the yeah. listen to what they've got to say I suppose rather I, than actually trying to give a solution like if you do this or, yeah. or people would say like oh I know someone that couldn't have kids and then if any Actually, they they would try to calm down and not be so stressed, and they got pregnant. So you never know, yeah. and you think, oh look, that's just you obviously don't know anything about this because I've had like medical, you know, conditions. <laughs> it's not going to happen like that. Yeah. And they're only trying to help, you know, they're trying to be nice, but it, that has the opposite effect. So I think you've got to really be in the right place mm, and have, you know, be able to, to to actually sort of accept accept it when you're ready, kind of thing, you know. And it does take quite a long time, and you, you know, you can't sort of rush yourself through that to sort of say you know I'm cured or whatever yeah. because one day you'll think you feel a bit better and then the next day you'll feel terrible not. yeah and I see and even now you know sometimes I just have times where I feel really down about it all but uh, sort of you know more good times than than bad I'm happy to say now but mm. I think yeah. my my kind of best experience of that is um sitting down um with a couple of people that are affected by OCD and hearing them talk about their experience and them sort of saying look I know from a rational point of view that I have these like um habits or rituals that don't make sense um but that doesn't change the fact I need to do them um yeah and then some of the 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 thoughts that they have around like contamination and food and things like that and you're like actually all the stuff they're saying makes complete sense and that is the way that we all think but we're just able to shut off at a certain stage and just go okay yes that's touched that or that's been wherever or a fly touches something or whatever but i can switch that off and it's just like you said it's been in that moment where you can say i've been affected by um not being in a relationship or not being able to have children and at a certain stage you you're able to kind of say okay that's true but um yeah you move and you start to kind of move past that and um yeah it's different for everyone some people it's time some people it'd be um maybe a particular event that just sort of switches them past that and i think those moments like you're talking about um earlier being in australia and just looking out at the sky there's there can be moments like that i think in our lives that are are massive and very significant um but sometimes it is like a little thing it can be you're sat there and you're talking to someone and it just kind of switches in your mind um and i I had this is really weird um so i watched (laughs) (laughs) um lego batman last last week (laughs) and um uh it's just 
it's not it's not as good a film as I wanted it to be, but it's funny enough. Uh, it does but, look like it would be quite good actually. I've got my one of my guys at work is absolutely obsessed with Lego. He's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's like it's a big good, kid. He loves yeah, it. So yeah. it's a good film. It's just not as good as the like the Lego movie. But yeah, um, part of the 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 story towards the end is that um, the Batman character just pushes these people away. And um, it's to kind of protect himself from losing people because of his parents dying. And um, <laughs> it's kind of, it, to, to a lot of people, they sort of recognise that and go, oh, yeah, okay, and move on from it. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, I, I can so relate to that particular part of, like, pushing people away and struggling with relationships. And, like, yeah, that, just that moment of the film was, like, a moment for me to kind of recognise, like... Oh, you! It's it's not just you that like it's that common that it's in this children's film. Um, yeah, and it's it's not something like you shouldn't overthink it as much as you do. And just because I've recognised that doesn't mean I don't do it. But it was quite a nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a yeah. nice moment to kind of think, oh, it's not just me, and um, like a little bit of recognition for what was going on as well. Yeah, um, and I think no, I, think, I mean we're our own worst. You know, we're so yeah. hard on ourselves, aren't we? Yeah. We're our own kind of worst critics. You know, like you think everybody else is doing better than you, or you know, coping with things better than you. And actually, everyone's just everyone's just winging it, aren't they? Everyone's yeah. just doing their best. <laughs> and you know, and actually, if everybody was as open, if everybody wrote blogs or everybody did podcasts or just you know, was really open about things, it would make it much easier just to accept yourself. I suppose. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, so I think one of the things that I kind of found interesting that sort of came through on um, your, I think it was probably in between a couple of different blog posts, was you've kind of progressed through from having something similar to what I kind of. So uh, I was married before, um, and we were going to have okay. ch- we were going to have children, but our relationship broke up, um, and you go Ooh. from that kind of having everything in the I feel like when you were talking earlier you're like you're in a good relationship um you're planning to have children like you know there might be struggles but you're getting ready for that and that's kind yeah. of what your Australia trip was sort of sounded like and um it was like yeah we're gonna have yeah because like, we were kind nice of thinking oh you know we'll experience. do this for six yeah. months have a lovely time and then we'll come back and we'll be parents and yeah. everything will just slot into place yeah and I think it was that idea of like it was like oh this it's different but it's such a similar kind of story um, you go from kind of that aspiration and like half having the attainment of having all the things you want and half working towards that last little bit and then going yeah. all the way back, it seemed in my head, to kind of being single and not being in a relationship and not having everything that you kind of worked for and built yeah. up. Um, and I think that, oh, can, that in itself, sixth, it? yeah, it I think that in itself can be a huge struggle. And I think that's maybe slightly different to obviously your infertility is something that has worked up over a period of time I kind of understand and was a battle that you were kind of prepared for but I don't know about how you felt kind of coming out of a relationship and kind of that double-ended side of yeah oh it was I just didn't I I didn't see it coming to be honest I mean we were together for like 15 years Mm. um married for sort of seven years and um yeah, I just, I mean, everyone thought we would just be together forever. We, we thought we were, like, we were, you know, the golden couple. We were always out together, partying together and travelling and stuff. And, like, you know, out every weekend. Just Everyone was like, you know, you guys have got the perfect relationship. And then it kind of started to fall apart a bit with all the um, the infertility. And 
like every sort of knockback, you know. And I think as well, men and women just cope with things differently, maybe. Mm. So, you know, I'd talk, talk to my friends, you know, get on the phone, whereas he'd kind of like retreat into himself a little bit and just wouldn't really talk about it. So I think we just didn't really, we were both really gutted about, about everything that was going on, but we didn't really talk about it to each other enough. And then just gradually, you know, it just started to kind of, sort of put a bit of a wedge between us, I guess. And then, you know, eventually we were kind of living separate lives. Mm -hmm. Ironically, we'd bought a big house, as big as we could afford after we'd been travelling. And it was the it was the crash. It was sort of the 2009 banking crisis. Mm -hmm. So, like, house prices and stuff crashed. So, at that point, we thought, wow, for the first time, we can afford to buy a house in Seven Oaks, which is where my family live. It's in Kent, and it's quite a nice area. Yeah. So, we bought this, like, quite a, quite a big house, but needed quite a lot of work doing to it. And we thought, you know, this will be our house. We'll have these children. And ironically, it was the sort of, it was the size of the house was part of the thing that sort of drove us apart in the end because it was like we had this big empty house. We were the two of us were kind of rattling around in it. Um, and it had three floors. So in the end, he was living on the top floor <laughs> and I was living on the floor below and it, it needed loads of work. So every time, you know, we got paid, we were just pouring our money into this property. Mm. And in the end, you know, it was just, it took up our money. It was, it was just such an, it's just such a sort of manifestation of what we didn't have. You know, we had this big house, empty, with just us two in it. It just was like, it was just, it just made us feel even more, you know, that it, it, we, we, we didn't have what we wanted, which was these children. Yeah. And so um, over the course of a sort of a year or so, we just gradually grew apart and ended up living in separate floors of this house. It was just awful, really. And then, um, but yeah, like you say, I mean, you literally have to start everything over again. So... We ended up selling the house of, oh, it's about 2013, and I bought uh, this house that I've got now. And it's, you know, when you live on your own, you literally just start completely again. I'd never lived on my own, and I just remember everybody sort of helping me move in on the day, and then everyone goes home, and you're just sort of like, oh, God, what, what do I do now? You know, I'm just sort of living in this house on my own, sort of unpacked everything, and I'm just sort of sitting here like, what am I going to do now? And it just is awful, because you just think, you know, I'm close to 40 and I've got to start everything all over again and don't even get me started on the dating <laughs> Tinder and all that stuff I mean I actually met my current boyfriend now on Tinder but everyone's like how did that even happen because it's just so not the sort of the site that you tend to actually meet a partner on but um yeah, I mean, the whole dating thing, again, at that age, was just, like, so scary. And pretty much all of my friends, you know, were married with children, so people weren't going out as much. Mm. So I thought, I've just got to, like, put myself out there. And that's the thing, really. I think you just have to, like, pick yourself up and put yourself out there. Otherwise, you could literally just become a hermit. I could, I could be, like, one of those bad cat ladies, you know, just living in a house on her own with ten cats. <laughs> We've been, you've been dead and the cats are just eating your <laughs> rotting corpse where you haven't, you haven't put yourself out there. So eventually you've just got to say, I mean, I had about a year where I just sort of licking my wounds and feeling sorry for myself and, you know, drinking too much and going out and stuff. And then I was just like, no, I've got to take stock of this situation and get back get back on the horse, as they say. Mm. <laughs> I, think I don't it, know about you. I mean, how 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 long were you um, together it, for? How long? Um, so we were together for for six years, and then married for two, so eight years altogether. Um, yeah. And it's just like you say, like I I hadn't always been in a relationship, um, but obviously for a large part of my life I had been. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so weird to kind of, like you say, just to start again and... Yeah. Um, oh, it's massive adjustment. It's just, it's, it is the worst thing that can happen to you, really, you know, in a lot of ways. Kind of they, like, they say, like, don't they, like divorce or, you know, yeah, losing a, a parent or a family member or, you know, it's one of the worst... It's up there, you know, one of the most stressful things that can happen. It's so Definitely. weird. I do... One of the things, like, you started to talk on was just the 
that it's kind of a chance to sort of not necessarily recreate but you kind of do start again and yeah um like i found the same in that probably for a year or so just being quite sort of isolated or doing like a certain thing with like maybe one person or a different person and very like not not interested in like group activities at all um and then kind of being a little bit more um sociable but generally with people that hadn't known us as a couple um, yeah so like I made... that's the hard thing as well isn't it because then you sort of have to divide up all the friends yeah. you know it's sort of like although people don't necessarily take sides they just naturally kind of do like you know you're not going to be going out with the same people again so like you know people that we would see together that were more his friends obviously he still sees them I mean we're actually good friends now we're on yeah. good terms and everything so but I still don't really see you know his friends he doesn't see my friends so it's quite sad because not only do you you split up with the person you split up with their friends as well you know so it's like you've got to pick sides almost like which is quite difficult as well yeah i think i struggled with the like the idea of um like then having issues around mental health of like i kind of felt i know they weren't but i kind of felt that comparison of like the person i am now and the person i was before and those people that had been friends with us knew like the person that i was before um and i kind of felt like I, i wasn't the same like i wasn't as good of a person as i were as i had been and so yeah. making new friends kind of got me away from that um yeah just in my own head i was like oh these people just know me as i am now um yeah. and so it's that, a lot easier then, yeah. to kind of yeah. build that up yeah um and yeah you do get a chance like you find different things that you like or that you're interested in or um it's i remember watching a film not long ago and there's a um like a husband and wife that have just moved to a new area and she's like the professional person and he's like the stay-at-home dad and he's like but what do i do how do i make new friends i'm an adult i don't know how to do that (laughs) (laughs) this is the thing really because a lot of people do make friends like at the school gates and all that sort of stuff isn't it that sort of thing you've got children you've got all the play dates and all that kind of stuff but that's the thing as well you know if you haven't got that then you know and, and especially as you get older like people aren't necessarily you aren't necessarily hanging out in clubs and stuff I mean I still do but I'm probably one of the oldest clubbers out there <laughs> but you know like you know where do you necessarily go like yeah. and, you know you can't just start t- chatting to randoms on the train so probably think you're you really are insane <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be careful you just start randomly talking to especially in London you know everyone's so sort of like straight faced yeah it's not it's something you can just sort of break into conversation with anyone so um yeah no it isn't yeah I see it. it's not easy but I suppose gradually over time but it, it's good like you say when you can just recreate yourself because I mean I think when I was really feeling feeling bad like because I'm quite a bubbly sort of like hyper kind of person everyone kind of expects that of you so then when you don't feel like that I just sort of felt like I wanted to lock myself away because I thought I just if I can't be that like all singing all dancing person I'm kind of letting people down like Mm. I'm not giving people they're not getting their money's worth out of me (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) they pay to go for dinner with me and I'm sitting there (laughs) moody and crying they probably think god I want want a refund on this night so it's like you know you sort of feel like you've got to be a certain way so as not to embarrass other people as well and that that can be really hard because like you know you know everybody it's nice to have friends that are there for you but you know everybody would rather go out for dinner with someone who's happy and having a laugh let's face it you know yeah. like but, you know yeah what can you do you can't be happy all the time no and I think it's that judgment sometimes what you, you almost put on yourself don't you because I I 
really felt like oh your my friends are judging me in this way and to be honest i i know most of them weren't like some of them were but i know most of them weren't yeah it's just what you do to yourself really yeah it it is it is and it's it's that view like you said uh, you get to a certain point where it's like what matters what doesn't matter like actually like i really want to catch up with this person and if you know i'll break down a little bit in front of them then that's okay yeah um but it's it's that balance and you don't always have it in I guess that's okay, but you've got to kind yeah. of get to that stage or go through some of the hard stuff before you get to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's hard for, like, sort of family, you know, for people as well. Like, when I just think back to, like, my mum, she was so amazing, you know. She was just so good to me, sort of, throughout. And the amount of times I'd ring her crying and, you know, so sad and all that. And you think that, might, that puts a lot on them as well, you know. It's, like, so much for them to do with. Like, you know, no one probably wants to listen to their child, like, so broken if you like you know so um that's where it can be good to sort of get new friendships or have a variety of sort of people that you can talk to as well so you just don't feel like you're kind of putting it all on one person yeah Yeah, i think family is a difficult one because again like everyone's got their own interactions with family and stuff but i like from my experience it's it's those people that have been around you a long time that it's harder to talk to because you feel like they have expectations or they know the old you and I think yeah I'm not massively close with my family either so it wouldn't be it'd almost be an unnatural thing to talk to them to in go the first to place let yeah. alone and I must admit you know like when you, sort of, you when you know people really well like you know you can sort of tend to snap at them and stuff as well can't you like you know sometimes yeah. mum would just be trying to help you know and I'd be like shut up mum you don't know anything about this or whatever <laughs> you wouldn't say that to you know you wouldn't say that to other people but you sort of you feel like you can get away with yeah. it, I suppose, with like with your family, and it's not necessarily the right thing to do anyway. But I mean, sometimes it is just good to talk to yeah. people completely unrelated to the situation that can kind of see things objectively. Or mm. yeah, I mean, I did try. I did go and see a counsellor for a little while, but I just didn't really connect with her that well. And I'm and I'm quite sort of independent, and I just didn't really like, didn't really think it was helping me. So. I didn't go down that route too much in the end. But that's one thing as well that I find with um, with the whole kind of infertility thing, which I think is a is a massive thing that doesn't really uh, kind of get spoken about, is when you actually do do um, IVF, you're literally being pumped f- full of drugs. Like, literally, you're injecting yourself with all these hormones. Like, you're being pumped full of chemicals and drugs all day long. And um, that's bound to do something, I'm sure, must, you know, affect your... Uh, your mental health just all of that physical side of it as well you know pumping yourself full of all these drugs and at the end of it when it doesn't work you're just kind of like pushed out the door and that's the end of it mm. and actually like all of my um uh, the treatment and stuff that I had I ended up um, going into premature uh, menopause because of it but it didn't get diagnosed for a good couple of years and they just kind of said oh you know you're depressed and give me this uh, sertraline tablets or whatever to take mm. and it actually turned out a couple of years later that actually my hormone levels were absolutely on the floor following all of this treatment and operation mm-hmm. stuff that I'd had that actually that was the, a big part of it as well but that's something that never really kind of gets spoken about too much because that could have a massive impact on when they say you know people after having IVF are depressed and relationships breaking down you know if you literally you've got a chemical imbalance in your yeah. in your brain in your hormones that's massive, you know. That's going to really affect your moods and, mm. and and everything as well. But I think that's something that doesn't even really kind of get touched on when you go for um, like when you go through that process. So. Yeah, I think 
If not, and I think back counts. to my poor ex-husband now, you know, I think really, <laughs> what, what chance did he have? You know, at the time I was thinking he's not understanding, he's not getting this. But, you know, physically, he's not the one being pumped full of yeah. all these hormones and, and injections. How could he really get it? Like, when I look back now, I think, you know, probably it was a bit hard on him, really. What could he do? I think it's it's one of those things, like, we can always look back and a lot of the time, I guess the answer's usually communication, but... It's yeah. easy to look back and say, oh, "I could have done this, they could have done that," and yeah, exactly. At the Hindsight, end of the day, isn't it? Is a, is what a happened thing. happened, and yeah, you're not going to. It's one of those, like you said, it's one of those things you you can't change it, so you just yeah. kind of have to accept it and you move yeah. on. This is it, yeah. And I just think you know the, the best I can do is like try and talk about it and help other people. So at least you know the whole whole thing wasn't completely in vain, and I haven't got all this knowledge in my head that I can't pass on to someone else so at least I can maybe try and help other people that you know that are going through that same sort of situation that I didn't have because there's so much to sort of it's such a massive thing that you know if someone had rang me or messaged me at the time and said I can give you all this information about it and help you with it I would have loved that you know I think so. that's the thing that I know it's a bit more now with I don't especially with I think workplaces and in education there's a bit more of a a push for like uh we'll give you this initial bit of information and it's for you to go away and find out about and i've definitely found that in um like mental health services as well it's almost like we give you this little bit of information and it's for you to go away and find out about and decide what you think's best and yeah. i think that's where things like podcast vlogs blogs websites people talking about their own story kind of fit into it a little bit more because sometimes people do get a bit i think I don't know about alienated, but put off by there's so like you said, there's so much to read through for yeah. any particular situation and it's like, oh well, I'm gonna be a little bit of that and a little bit of that and does that really help? And I think sometimes just hearing someone talk through their story Yeah um is so much more um informative in that you're like, Oh, I'm affected by that but not by that but I can kind of read through it and actually I really appreciate that like this person's spoken about about the situation that they've gone through and it's so much more personal and I think people take that on a lot more yeah um and when so much I I could be wrong but when so much is put on individuals to go away and find out about or to talk about or recover on their own I think that's the gap where you have things like personal blogs where they do fit in to kind of support some people to raise a bit of awareness to signpost to certain bits of support and things like that and yeah, yeah. maybe maybe one person maybe 10 people read that and yeah. follow up with some of the links and stuff and that's the difference that that people can make by talking about their own stories and their own experiences and like you say you've got so much experience in that particular field having gone through that yeah um that it is there for for people to kind of understand like oh I'm going to start this process or I'm going through this process or um, I've been through that process. Like just to be able to kind of read up and hear someone else's story and understand that, you know, it's probably not exactly like I've gone through, but it's similar and I can really relate yeah. to, to Sam's story and I take on a lot from that. Um, yeah. I think that's where, where blogs sit. And I think sometimes they're undersold in that way. Um because it's, I don't know if they're still seen a little bit as like a, oh, it's just so-and-so talking about their life or so-and-so talking about this product. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to see in in three years' time where you'll go to the GP and they're going to say to you, you might be affected by this. You'd really benefit from going online and looking at some blogs and reading about what other yeah. people are going through. 
I, I I'm so, yeah. I, I'm not convinced. I I don't know. I feel at the moment that's definitely not happening. But I don't know. In a couple of years, I I'm yeah. not sure. Whether I don't know. I think people are starting to get more respect for blogs generally. I mean, I suppose the only danger is if the if the GPs and stuff push you towards certain blogs, uh, then the people that write it aren't necessarily qualified are they i mean like you yeah. know they could be saying things that are well, not necessarily 100% right or you know from their point of view it worked for them or, or i don't know medically maybe they're not qualified to talk about it oh yeah, yeah. it's a hard one isn't it i'm not sure yeah because it is very much uh, you talk from your own experience and yes i can't tell you if that drug or that drug or any drug is going to be good for you or doing this or doing that but I can tell you, as an expert, this is my experience. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's to do with the person that's reading it and how able they are to take in and understand, like, this is one person's view. And yeah. my experience will be different. It doesn't yeah. matter how similar it is, it will be different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I always try and only sort of talk about, like, any sort of medical side of things or stuff that I absolutely know that I'm sort of right about. So, like, I do also blog on um, uh, for Huffington Post as well mm. since sort of August time last year. And um, things like the cervical cancer sort of experience, like um, HPV virus and that kind of thing, and the fact that that leads, you know, that's the, the main sort of... Um, uh, cause of cervical cancer like these kind of things I know that I know about you know so that I will happily sort of put facts in there and obviously you do your research online and stuff as well and that I know that I can speak about uh, and obviously like sort of depression I can talk about that and, uh, and infertility things that I definitely know about mm. but when it comes to other kind of medical things or, or you know or anything that's, that I think people could misinterpret or yeah. that sort of thing i'm really wary it's similarly like even just things like politics <laughs> i know i'm no expert on politics so i just stay away from that altogether you know i just make sure some of my friends say why don't you write some posts about trump and all that kind of stuff and i'm like no i don't, I don't even want to go there you know like my blog my blog's sacred i don't want to start tarnishing it with blooming pictures of trump's orange face <laughs> do you know what i mean so like there's sort of you know i think as long as you stick to topics that you know yeah. you're you know you're, you're qualified to kind of speak about then you can sort of help people but I do love using my blog to talk about um sort of cervical cancer awareness and I've been doing quite a lot of campaigning on that side of things make persuading women to go for their smear tests and that kind of stuff and that I think is like you know can be really sort of mm. beneficial you're using your blog for good kind of thing but I, I do try and make sure I only talk about things that I definitely know that I'm <laughs> I'm right about <laughs> so I've got quite a big mouth at the best of times so imagine if you started blurting off about a load of stuff and it turned out to all be wrong like it'd be a nightmare <laughs> um, so you did mention that you've done some stuff for Huffington Post I don't know if you want to mention um, a little bit about your website your blog and any other bits and pieces that you're doing at the moment yeah so um and my blog is basically um, Um So I'm actually in the process of moving it across to WordPress and I'm going self-hosted, which I'm really um, excited about. So I've got somebody working on that. But at the moment, it's still the lifeabirdseyeview.blogspot.com um, is the site. Um, or you can find me on Twitter. So I'm just um, Samantha Walsh 76 
Um, I don't know why I put that 76 when I set everything up because it just straight away gives away how old I am. <laughs> it's like really obvious. Yeah, she's 41. Do you know what I mean? I probably should have just put 86 or something, shouldn't I? And pretended like, you know, you can put some really good filters on on Instagram now. I could have pretended I was at least five years younger. Do you know what I mean? But stupidly, when I set everything up, I, I put my blooming age on there. So yeah, Twitter is about the rule 76. Uh, my Instagram is wanderingblonde76. So, because uh, a lot of my earlier things was doing mostly about travel. So, that was my oh, okay. um, handle on that one. And Facebook is just Samantha.Walsh76 or uh, wanderingblonde. I've got a wanderingblonde page on there as well. So, uh, I think that just about covers it. I was going to get a Pinterest account actually, but I was thinking I could just about juggle all these ones that I've oh, got. No. But apparently, Pinterest is the way forward now as well. I've never really got on. I think. I tried it for a little while and it's like I just don't I couldn't get on board with it. I don't No, I, I couldn't. Oh. I, I did set up an account and I just thought, no, and it's just it's hard enough maintaining all of these ones. I mean, I've only been on Twitter for about a year mm. and I've managed to sort of build myself up to about five thousand followers and stuff, but I still do find I get the most kind of interaction more from Facebook, even though I've only got about seven hundred oh, sort wow. of friends on Facebook. But I think I don't know, Twitter I find is really good for sort of these kind of contacts like meeting you, yeah. the other podcasts that I've done and like some sort of businessy sort of blog type things. Yeah. But actually in terms of like engagement and people with like writing comments and sharing blogs and stuff, I find more Facebook is good. And then only really in the last sort of six months or so have I got into Instagram. So I don't think I could I don't think I could add Pinterest into that. Oh, <laughs> On top of everything else, it's like I've actually got a job, you know. I've got actually yeah. got a job to go to. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? It becomes so much to manage what starts to become its own thing when yeah. you actually have a job, and this is like it's more than fun but this is like yeah. something else that you're doing with your time and you're like oh my god like like you say just updating stuff sometimes takes a ridiculous amount of time yeah i mean how much time can you waste on social media as well it's so easy isn't it like you know you sort of look up and like two hours has gone and you've yeah. just been looking at cat videos for yeah. like two hours or like watch, looking at people's holiday photos of people you don't even actually really know very well <laughs> it's like what are you what am i doing you know like, my, like my, really easy to just waste time and my it? worst one is um cinema sins on youtube and um like film trailers i've spent like hours watching those and i'm like these are clips (laughs) i could have actually watched a film (laughs) in that time i know this is it i mean like it is it's so easy just kind of waste time so i mean i've actually gone down to four days a week um, this year, since January, to focus more on my blog and stuff. Okay. And I'm actually um, starting, well, I'm planning, I shouldn't say I'm writing, but I'm planning on writing a book, although I've been saying that for the last God knows how long. But I have sort of started it a couple of times, but I kind of get caught up in looking at social media and stuff, so I just really need to just turn it all off and just actually focus on the, the job in hand. That's the thing, otherwise you do sort of get, it's easy to get distracted, but... Yeah. hey hi. Oh, so is that your... <laughs> um aim for the year then to kind of get something started yeah I, I, I really want to like I've, I, at the moment I'm kind of stuck because I'm not sure whether to write um a book about well I was kind of looking at writing something it's more like a sort of a memoir around the whole kind of like infertility sort of journey from sort of start to finish and the really horrible bit in the middle and sort of like the sort of coming out of the other side kind of thing so I had this I had that in mind Mm. then I was thinking like is that a bit do people want to read that you know so then I started to think I'll do it more as like a sort of chick lit type novel but that is sort of the general theme of it but make it a bit more 
upbeat and you know like other things happening as well as that so i kind of start the, i've started various different strands of this and i'm just not sure yet which kind of direction to take it in but yeah hopefully oh. hopefully by the end of the year i'll have it all done and dusted because that's the good thing as well these days you can self-publish you know so even if i get completely blown out by every yeah. <laughs> every publisher you can still do things can't you yourself so yeah i know i can't think who it was i knew someone that um they self-published through oh i can't think how they did it but yeah they self-published had about tw- 10 or 20 books t- put together um and then gave away i think like half of them as uh like prizes yeah. and things like that to kind of get a little bit of pr behind it and they said yeah like i'm yeah. not getting mass orders or anything like that but they said i keep on selling sort of one a month here and there and i was like that's awesome like you've got yeah. a constant flow of stuff going out and yeah if it's not like hugely popular now like it's not a the the stuff that i think they were talking about wasn't like time specific so it's not like oh if someone picked it up in like two years time it's not going to be irrelevant so it doesn't yeah. matter if it's slow now like it can always build up yeah um and again like it's just something that they've done with their spare time uh yeah. and you think it's, it's not it's nice to have things to be proud of isn't it? you know like yeah. you just do something that just you know that you you can even if it's just you that looks back on it i mean like some of my um like old blog things, you know, I sort of put it into like a, a hardback book. It's just for me, really. Like I've just sort of self-published it just for myself. But it's just nice to sort of look back and go, oh yeah, that trip. And like you know, you, you just read, reread it, and you, it's like you're you're reliving that trip that actually has cost you a fortune. So it's quite nice to relive it. <laughs> but even if just even just from that, you know, just from that point of view, just reminding yourself of things that you've done that you're proud of, or it's just it's just nice to have a focus, have a goal. I think like to have a focus yeah. and. I've started to have... And one that's not necessarily work-related, because my whole life I just feel like I've just worked for a company. Mm, yeah. And, you know, like, give everything to that company to the point where you come home from work and you're absolutely exhausted and you can't do anything else. And then in the last sort of year or so, I've just had this sort of, like, mental shift where I sort of think, yeah, I still want to work hard for the company. Obviously, you know, they, it pays my wages, but, you know, it pays my mortgage and everything as well. But just to give yourself a little bit more time for yourself to do other things like your blogging and stuff and actually you'll be better at work anyway because you're happier and you're more mixed you know, you've got more of a mix of things going on rather than just absolutely slogging your guts out working full time exhausted and then not doing anything sort of productive with your spare time mm. I sort of had a bit of a shift with it, really, in the last year or so, and I, I do feel much happier with it. And also, you know, when you think you're going to have children, you think you're going to go part-time, and everybody else does. Like, you know, all your friends and stuff are sort of working part-time or not at all. Yeah. And that was one of my things that I did start to resent. I thought, I'm working really hard. I'm working full-time. Everybody <laughs> else is going for nice lunches, you know, and meeting up. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually just give my – I'm just going to go part-time yeah. without the kids. You know, I'm yeah. going to do something else in my time. And actually, that helps – to not feel so resentful and bitter about not having kids as well, because you've actually given yourself that, that little time. gift of time. That, yeah. Yeah, it's quite nice. Yeah, and you're probably, even taking that time off and losing the salary for that day, you're still better off because if you did have a child, you'd be taking that time off plus more. Exactly, plus you'd yeah, have and you've got to pay for expense. the little mouth to feed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was thinking, like, you know, you would have had to have done that yeah. and paid for this other person to live, yeah. you know, and you would have coped. So therefore, take the little bit of time off. You haven't got to pay for anybody else. And the way I saw it, was, I was like, I was just sort of buying one day a week of my time back, yeah. basically, from the company. And it's like, you can't put a price on your time. Like, if time is just so limited we all know we haven't got you know at least 
it's not endless. You've only got a certain amount of time. And it's just your most precious commodity, if you like. So I just sort of thought, I'm just going to buy a bit of that time back. And it's yeah. been the best thing that I could have done, I think. It's been, it's been really, really nice. I think we'll we'll bring it to a close on that very oh, yeah. positive. <laughs> like I want to go into work and say right. <laughs> yeah, I mean I must admit, I mean it's sort of early days. It's only been since um, you know since the start of this year. Mm. But so far, you know, you just make a couple of sacrifices, money wise. Take your packed lunches into work, but it's more than worth it for the time yeah. that you get back. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, that's it. Um, well, thank you very much for for coming on and for chatting to me. Um, it's been really interesting. Thanks for to having me. Hear about your story as well, and I think, like I said, kind of halfway through, like I see kind of some similarities in there with my own kind of journey, and it's really cool to hear like the positive side and um, that progression that I feel like you've made and that you're talking about. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's really awesome to hear. Uh, and I think we've got your. You mentioned the website and your twitter handle as well um, yeah so if people do want to find out about you they can go over to um twitter to facebook to the website and find out a bit yeah. more where um lots of different blog posts and i don't know is there a link to the other podcast that you've done already there is actually it's just one of the posts that's on there but it was um sip and shine was the name of the podcast so you can go in my little search bar on the blog and just put in sip and shine and that will come up on there as well cool awesome stuff well thank yeah. you very much for chatting and i hope the rest of your thank evening you. is lovely now your boyfriend can go back on and watch tv <laughs> <laughs> he's dying to watch his bloodlines so let him get back on there <laughs> okay thank you have cool, a good no evening worries, you too. <laughs> bye. thanks bye